a drug called tradition. God damn it, Thomas, Junior yelled. How come your fridge is always empty? Thomas walked over to the refrigerator, saw it was empty, sat down and inside. There, it ain't empty no more. Everyone in the kitchen laughed their butts off. It was the second largest party in the reservation history, and Thomas Builds the Fire was the host. He was the host because he was the one buying all the beer. And after buying all the beer, because he had just got a ton of money from Washington Water Power, he got a ton of money, uh, and he got a ton of money from Washington Water Power because they had to pay for the lease to have 10 power poles running across some land that Thomas had inherited. When Indians make lots of money from corporations that way, we can all hear our ancestors laughing in the trees, but we can never tell whether they're laughing at the Indians or the whites. I think they're laughing at pretty much everybody. Hey, Victor, Junior said, I hear you got some magic mushrooms. No way, I said, just green giant mushrooms. I'm making salad later. But I did this have a brand new drug they had planned on investing Junior along. Oh, inviting Junior along. Maybe a couple of Indian princesses, too. But only if they were full blood. Well, maybe if they're at least half Spokane. Listen, I whispered to Junior to keep it a secret. I've got some good stuff. A new drug. But just enough for me and you. Maybe a couple others. Keep it under your war bonnet. Cool, Junior said. I got my new car outside. Let's go. We ditched the party decided to save the new drug for ourselves and jumped into Junior's Camaro. The engine was completely shot, but the interior was good, or exterior was good. You see, the car looked mean. Mostly, we just parked it in front of the old trading post and tried to look like horsepower warriors. Driving it was a whole not another matter, though. It belched and farted its way down the road like an old man. That definitely wasn't cool. Where do you want to go, Junior asked. Benjamin Lake, I said, and we took off in a cloud of oil and exhaust. We drove down the road a little way toward Benjamin. Then we saw Thomas Builds the Fire standing by the side of the road. Junior stopped, and I leaned out the window. Hey, Thomas, should you be at your own party? You guys know it ain't my party anyway. I just paid for it. We laughed. I looked at Junior. And he nodded his head. Hey, I said, jump in with us. We're going to Benjamin Lake to do this new drug I got. It'll be very Indian. Spiritual, you know. Thomas climbed in the back and just about ready to tell another one of his damn stories. When I stopped him, now listen, I said, you can only come with us if you don't tell any more of your stories until after you've taken them drug. Thomas thought, of for that, thought about it for a while. He nodded his head in the affirmative and we drove on. He looked so happy to be spending this time with us that I gave him the new drug. Eat up, Thomas. The party's on now. Oh, the party's on me now. Thomas downed it and smiled. Tell us what you see, Mr. Build's offense, Junior said. Thomas looked around the car. Hell, he looked around our world and poked his head through some hole in the wall into another world, a better world. Victor? Thomas said, I can see you. God, you're beautiful. You got braids and you're stealing a horse. Wait, no, it's not a horse. It's a cow. Junior almost wrecked because he laughed so hard. Why would I be stealing a cow? I asked. I'm just giving you crap, Thomas said. No, not really. You're stealing a horse and you're riding by moonlight. 
Van Gogh should have painted this one, Victor. Van Gogh should have painted you. It was cold that night. I had crawled through the brush for hours, moved by inches so others would not hear me. I wanted one of their ponies. I needed one of their ponies. I needed to be a hero to earn my name. I crawled close enough to the camp to hear voices, to hear an old man suckling last bit of meat on a bone. I can see the pony I want. He's a black, 20 hands high. I can feel him shiver because he knows I have come for him in the middle of the, this cold night. Crawling more quickly now, I make my way to the corral, right behind the legs of the young boy asleep on his feet. He was supposed to keep watch for men like me. I barely touch his bare leg, and he swipes at it, thinking it's a mosquito. If I stood and kissed the young boy full on the mouth, he would only think he was dreaming of a girl who smiled at him earlier in the day. When I finally came close to the beautiful black pony, I stand straight up, touch his nose and his mane. I've come for you, I tell the horse, and he moves against me, knows it's true. I mount him, ride him silently through the camp, right in front of the blind man who smells us pass by and thinks we are just a pleasant memory. When he finds out the next day who we really were, he will remain haunted and crowded the rest of his life. I'm riding that pony across the open plain in moonlight that makes everyone thing a shadow. What's your name? I ask the horse and he rears back on his hind legs, pulls air deep into his lungs and rises above the ground. Flight, he tells me. My name is Flight. That's what I see, Thomas said. I see you on that horse. Junior looked at Thomas in the rearview mirror, looked at me, looked at the road in front of him. Victor? Junior said, give me that some of that stuff. But you're driving. That'll make it even better. I had to agree with him. Tell us what you see. Nothing, yes. I'm still on that horse. Oh, yeah. We came up on the turnoff to the Benjamin Lake, and Junior made it into a screaming corner. Just another Indian boy engaged in some rough play. Oh, crap, Junior said. I can see Thomas dancing. I don't dance, Thomas said. You're dancing, and you ain't wearing nothing. You're dancing naked around a fire. No, I'm not. You are. You're not. I see you. You're tall and dark and huge, cousin. They're all gone. My tribe is gone. Those blankets they gave me, gave us, infected us with smallpox and killed us. I'm the last, the very last. I'm sick too, so very sick. Hot, my fever burning so hot. I have to take my clothes off, feel the cold air, splash the water against my bare skin and dance. I dance the ghost dance. I'll bring them back. Can you hear the drums? I can hear them. And it's my grandfather and my grandmother singing. Can you hear them? I dance one step and my sister rises from the ash. I dance another and a buffalo crashes down from the sky onto a log cabin in Nebraska. With every step, an Indian rises. With every other, a buffalo falls. I'm growing too. My blisters heal. My stomach's muscles stretch, expand. My tribe dances behind me. At first, they're no bigger than children. Then they begin to grow and larger than me, larger than trees around us. The buffalo come to join us and their hooves shake the earth, knock all the white people from their beds, send their plates crashing to the floor. We dance in circles, growing larger and larger until we're standing on the shore watching all the ships returning to Europe. 
All the white hands are waving goodbye, and we continue to dance until the ships full of the fall off uh, the ships fall off the horizon. Dance until we are so tall and strong that the sun is nearly jealous. We dance that way. Junior, I yell, slow down, slow down. Junior had the car spinning in circles, going, doing donuts across empty fields, coming too close to fences and lonely trees. Thomas, you're dancing, dancing hard, Junior yelled. I leaned over and slammed on the brakes. Junior jumped out of the car and ran across the field. I turned the car off and followed him. We'd gotten about a mile down the road toward Benjamin Lake when Thomas came driving by. Stop the car, I yelled, and Thomas did that. Where are you going? I was chasing you and your horse, cousin. Jesus, this stuff's powerful, said and swallowed some. Instantly, I saw and heard Junior singing. He stood on the stage in a ribbon shirt and blue jeans, singing with a guitar. Indian makes the best cowboys, I can tell you that. I've been singing at a plantation since I was 10, and we always draw big crowds. All the white folks come to hear my songs, my little pieces of Indian wisdom. Although they give us, they have us to sit in the back of the theater because all the Indians get the best tickets for my shows. It's not racism. The Indians just camp out all night to buy tickets. Even the President of the United States, Mr. Edgar Crazy Horse himself, came to hear me once. I played a song I wrote for his great-grandfather, the famous Lakota warrior who helped us win the war against the whites. Crazy Horse, what have you done? Crazy Horse, what have you done? It took 400 years and 4,000 guns, but the Indians finally won. Yeah, hey, the Indians finally won. Crazy Horse, are you still singing? Crazy Horse, are you still singing? I honor your old songs, and they keep us on bringing, because Indians keep winning. Yeah, hey, the Indians keep winning. Believe me, I'm the best guitar player who ever lived. I can make my guitar sound like a drum. More than that, I can make any drum sound like a guitar. I can make a single hair from the braids of an Indian woman make it sound like a promise come true. Like a thousand promises come true. Junior, I asked, where did you learn to sing? I don't know how to learn to sing, he said. We met our way down the road to Benjamin Lake, stood by the water. Thomas sat on the dock with his feet in the water and laughed softly. Junior sat on the hood of his car and danced around them. After a little bit, I tired out and sat on the hood of the car with Junior. The drug was beginning to wear off. All I could see were my visions of Junior and his guitar. Junior pulled out a can of warm Diet Pepsi, and we passed it back and forth and watched Junior Thomas talk to himself. He's telling himself stories, Junior said. Well, ain't nobody else going to listen, I said. Why is he like that, Junior asked. Why is he always talking about strange stuff? Hell, he don't even need drugs. Some people say he got dropped on his head when he was little, and some of the old people think he's magic. What do you think? I think he got dropped on his head, and I think he's magic. We laughed. Thomas looked up from the water, from his stories, and smiled at us. Hey, he said. You guys want to hear a story? Junior and I looked at each other. We looked back at Thomas and decided that it would be all right. Thomas closed his eyes and told his story. It is now. Three... Indian boys drinking Diet Pepsi, talking about, talking about, talking out 
by Benjamin Lake. They're wearing only loincloths and braids, although it's, it is 20th century and the plains are passing overhead. The Indian boys have decided to be real Indians tonight. They all want to have their vision to receive their true names and their adult names. That is the problem with Indians these days. They all have the same names all their lives. Indians wear their names like a pair of bad shoes. So they decide to build a fire, breathe in the sweat smoke. They had not eaten for days, so they know their visions should arrive soon. Maybe they'll see it in the flames or in the wood. Maybe the smoke will talk in Spokane or English. Maybe the cinders and ash will rise up. The boys sit by the fire and breathe. Their visions arrive. They're all carried away to the past, to the moment before any of them took their first drink of alcohol. The boy throws a beer he's off into the garbage. The boy, Junior, throws his whiskey through a window. The boy, Victor, spills his vodka down the drain. Then the boys sing. They sing, dance, and drum. They steal horses. I can see them. They steal horses. You don't believe any of that crap? I asked Thomas. I don't need to believe anything. It just is. Thomas stood up and walked away. He wouldn't even try to tell us any stories again for years. He'd, we'd never been very good to him, even as boys, but he'd always been very kind to us. When he stopped even looking at me, I was hurt. How do you explain that? Before he left for good, though, he turned back to Junior and, and me and yelled at us. I couldn't really understand what he was saying, but Junior swore he told us not to slow dance with our skeletons. What the hell does that mean? I asked. I don't know, Junior said. There are things you should learn. You should past. Your past is a skeleton walking one step behind you, and your future is a skeleton one, one step in front of you. Maybe you don't wear a watch, but your skeletons do. They always know what time it is. Now the skeletons are made of memories, dreams, and voices. And they can trap you in the go in between, between touching and becoming. But they aren't necessarily evil unless you let them be. What ha you have to do is keep moving, keep walking in step with your skeletons. They ain't ever gonna leave you, so don't you, ha you don't have to worry about them. You ain't your past ain't gonna fall behind, and your future won't get too far ahead. Sometimes though, your skeletons will talk to you, tell you to sit down and take a rest, take a breather. Maybe they'll even make you promises, tell you things you want to hear. Sometimes your skeletons will dress up beautiful and Indian women ask you to slow dance. Sometimes your skeletons will dress up at your, as your best friend and offer you a drink, one more for the road. Sometimes your skeletons will look exactly like your parents and offer you gifts. But no matter what they do, keep walking and moving. And don't wear a watch. Hell, Indians never need to wear a watch because your skeletons will always remind you about the time. See. It's always now. That's what an Indian time is. The past and the future is all wrapped up in the now. That's how it is. We are trapped in the now. Junior and I sat out by Benjamin Lake until dawn. We heard voices now and again, saw lights in the trees. After I saw my grandmother walk across the water towards me, I threw away the rest of my new drug and hid in the back seat of Junior's car. Later that day, we were parked in front of the trading post gossiping and laughing, talking stories when Big Mum walked up to the car. Big Mum was the spiritual leader of the Spokane tribe. She had so much good medicine, I think she may have 
being the one who created the earth. I know what you saw, Big Mom said. We didn't see nothing. I said, we all know that, uh, we, but we all knew that I was lying. Big Mom smiled at me, shook her head a little, and handed me a little drum. It looked like it was about 100 years old, maybe older. It was so small it could fit in the palm of my hand. You keep that, she said, just in case. In case of what? I asked. There's a pager. That's my pager. Just give it a tap and I'll be right over. She said and laughed as she walked away. Now I tell you, I haven't used that thing. In fact, Big Mom died a couple years back and I'm not sure she'd come even if that thing did work. But I keep it really close. Like Big Mom said, just in case. I guess you could call it the only religion I have. The one drum that can fit in my hand. But I think if I played it a little, it might fill up the whole world.